Well, good morning. Do you sense the Lord stirring a conversation right now? Just something so unique um, in this season of the church. And so, um, so glad to see you here in person. Great to have our um, online family with us. And a special welcome once again this week to Destiny Table New York. Um, we're really just trying to figure out what the Lord is up to in this season. And that was part of why I asked uh, if Tracy would just share uh, an expression of some of what's happening. And we do just want to say how much we're appreciative of all the sacrifice made uh, to explore what God's revealing in this season together. As I stand up here, <clears throat> you know, my, my heart, my goal, my desire is that uh, I would bring something more than a motivational speech. You know, this is something you've probably heard me use this language, you know, a number of times now, but just trying to figure out what is the Lord desiring to do in this hour of the church and how can we more fully cooperate with that? Every single one of us in every one of our contexts, um, just, I had this amazing encounter with the Lord in my quiet time this morning. I, I enjoy my time alone with the Lord, but like I had an amazing encounter with God, and I feel it significant. I, I sat down and I just began to I open my Bible to my turn the page reading where I am in that progression. It's very interesting. In a little over a week, I land in Isaiah, in the very theme verse, the verse that is the theme verse for the Field of Fire conference, <laughs> and I just realized that's not by accident. But as I sat there this morning. Uh, I started to read, and then I just paused because I felt like the Lord was just drawing my attention. And so I stopped because, you know, we don't want to just read the book. We want to sit with the author. We want to experience God. And I felt like the Lord spoke something to me so, so uh, unique, I started writing it in the margin of my Bible. And then as I started to read, I was reading the very thing I had just written down. And... I, I, I want to read my Bible like that, where I'm aware of God. How about you? <clears throat> I want to stand here and speak in a way that there is fire in my eyes and weight in my words because I've been with God. I, I want us to understand that's not something God wants for preachers. That's something God wants for Christians. He's turning rooms full of consumers who love listening to a minister into Rooms full of ministers who love listening to God, who understand what it really means to walk with God. I don't want us to walk through our time of you know, worship or, or now breaking bread and scripture together without being fully aware and more keenly sensitive to the fact that he's right here in this room. Like, he's here. You will all be taught by God. It's such a beautiful verse. All your children will be taught by God. I think it's important that we understand you can't give what you don't have, so we want to press in and be taught by God so we can impart that more effectively, more readily to the next generation. So I just I really felt the Lord was saying he was just going to awaken another level of personal, intimate conversation with anybody who's willing to go there this morning. Are you willing to go there this morning? Then why don't you just uh, posture your heart. Maybe it's a lifting of your hands, however you want to do it, but just posture your heart as we just invite Lord, your word says that you will teach us. Your word says that you sent your Holy Spirit to walk us through the circumstances of our lives. Not only are we not walking through it alone, 
we're walking through the circumstances we walk through with the hand of God right there guiding us. And I pray that we would learn a lifestyle of listening, a lifestyle of listening where we would be in a constant state of Selah, pause and consider what God has to say about every moment that we're walking through. Help us to understand that is a reality that you desire for us to possess. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So <clears throat> this year coming into the year, we realized God's wanting to awaken the reality that everyone is created for abundant life. Everyone. Uh, that is God's desire and that is God's design, that we would learn abundant life. And so there are basic principles of God's kingdom that awaken abundant life within our hearts. How many of you know it is more blessed to give than it is to receive? And so learning that lifestyle of just irrational generosity in every direction to people that we meet. Um, in other words, not being self-absorbed and focused on ourselves, but being mindful and considerate of people that, are, uh, that God's entrusting to our care. And so we start to learn more of what God has in mind as we walk this out. This really is the revelation of the table. That, that's the essence of this season that we are in. And so just coming back to that again, the three phrases people love to hear speak so clearly of um, the most basic fundamental expression of ministry. The first phrase is, I love you. The second phrase is, you're forgiven. And the third phrase is, you're, uh, let's eat. And so I love you, you're forgiven, let's eat. For God so loved the world, he sent his son to forgive us. And behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. I love you, you're forgiven, let's eat. That is ministry. That's ministry before the Lord. Embrace the cross of Christ today. How many of you have made mistakes, like so many mistakes? Can I just say, I want you to raise your hand high. If you've blown it enough times that you could own a blowout. Uh, you know, we've made those mistakes, but God still says, I love you. He still says, you're forgiven, and he still says, let's eat. Let's commune together at the table of the Lord. Let me replenish you. Let me restore you. Let me help you understand my love so that you might become an expression of that love into the lives of those around you. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this should be shaping all of us in the way that we're ministering into the lives of people around us, just caring for them out of a genuine, sincere need, uh, I'm sorry, out of a genuine, sincere desire to care for others. And so with that in mind, there are going to be times that the Lord is going to open the doorway in those conversations where you're loving and caring for others in such a way that you'll be able to invite them in on the journey of faith. I'm surprised at how many people on a personal note that don't even attend this church that I have now started to be able to have and engage a different level of conversation about a relationship with Christ. Like one guy, I just brought up something of the cross of Christ or something and looked at me and goes, oh, we're going to talk about the Lord, huh? <laughs> and I was like, well, I, I think so. Yeah, this would be a good time to do that. Uh, you know, I mean, just so funny how people in our society uh, think about these things. But God's brought us not to be people who parrot what's going on in society. God's brought us to be people who understand we are citizens of heaven and we carry something unique and specific and distinct from God into the world around us. And so you're going to have those opportunities of inviting people in on your journey of faith, just sharing the love and the life of Christ, whatever God's been doing in your life. But I invite you also to consider when you sense the grace of the Lord, invite them in to meet 
the family of God that God's called you to. And we've uh, worked to kind of position this, you know, a month and a half, whatever, maybe two months now before Easter Sunday comes because people in general are open to and interested in finding a church to go to. And so in the course of these next few months, as you're just ministering to people, caring for the needs of others, then give some consideration that you might actually sense the grace of God to invite them to join you on a Sunday that we might love on them and love them well. And so these cards, we've put these in the lobby. They're all over. They're on the seat. If you'll just take a look and pick that up, one of them says, the, the perfect place for imperfect people. You'll see some pictures of these scrolling up here, but there's a, a, an entire um, several different stations out in the, in the lobby space that you can pick some of those up. And I would suggest you just pick those up and take them with you. And when you do sense that grace, you'll have the opportunity then just to invite people along. Can you scroll those so that we can see? Here's the next. Uh, that's the other option you have. This is the back. And that's actually the station that's out there. So you'll find those when you walk out in the lobby. I encourage you, um, just be open to what the Lord may want to do. How many of you know it could really change somebody's life? Uh, I was invited to church. How about you? You know, it's amazing. Uh, just inviting people on a deeper journey can really begin to, to bring transformation. And what happens when people show up in this family is they meet people in covenant with God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. What does it mean to be people in covenant with God? It's a big word, covenant. It's more than just commitment. People in covenant with God, they have this sense of confidence and they carry this sense of awareness of what the Lord is doing. It's interesting, um, but the prophet Moses, when you read about Moses in Scripture, you do realize he's a type of Christ who came to deliver us out of the bondage of Egypt. But Moses represents the presence of revelation as he would carry the law into the presence of the people. If we have time today, I want to point to you how that was actually God's plan for all of God's people to be, become a kingdom of uh, priests and kings to the world. Um, but they rejected that. They said, well, I just want Moses to take care of this role, and I'll show up, and I'll pay my offerings, and I'll, I'll, I'll be in the gatherings, but Moses, I want you to take that role. And the Lord is actually wanting all of us to understand the call of God that exists on every one of our lives. You have a call of God on your life. You have a call of God on your life. The enemy is not trying to destroy you because of who you are right now. He's trying to destroy you because of who you are about to become when you come into a greater awareness of the call of God that exists on your life. Do you understand you have a call of God on your life? You didn't come here today to listen to people sing who had a call on their life, listen to somebody speak who has a call on their life. We gather in this room today because we have a call of God on our lives, each of us individually, all of us congregationally, as a family, and we want to answer that call and walk that out. And walking in a spirit of revelation is the key to this. And I'm going to point this out in a unique way as we turn in our, our Bibles first to Exodus 32, verse 25. It's an interesting verse, and there's a, you know, the Old Testament is not written in English, obviously. It was written in uh, Hebrew and Aramaic, and this is a Hebrew text that's translated into English. When we look at Exodus chapter 32, what we'll read in verse 25, just a portion of this verse, Moses saw that the people were, say it with me, running wild. The people were what? 
running wild. And what we need to understand in this scenario, what was taking place, you can go ahead and turn to Proverbs 29. I want to point out something to you in comparison of this particular verse. But Moses, who represents Revelation, went to the top of the mountain. And in the absence of Moses, or in this case, in the absence of Revelation, the people began to do what? They ran wild. In the absence of revelation, the people ran wild. In the absence of revelation, people run wild. In the absence of revelation, people run wild. You and I are people in covenant with God, and we carry revelation much like Moses did to his world. You and I are anointed to become that expression to our world more than what we understand. If you, if you just look at what we looked at last week and the, how that translates into the expression of what I'm saying right now, it's huge. It's so vital that we understand this. And when we turn to Proverbs then, chapter 29, Verse 18, what you'll see here is a different translation into English, but it's the same Hebrew word. Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no revelation, Moses represented revelation, and in the absence of revelation, in the absence of Moses, the people were running wild. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Same Hebrew word, people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint or they run wild. When Moses came down, the absence of revelation left those people in a place where they were actually running wild or casting off restraint. And some crazy things were going on in that moment in time. But here's the point I want to make to you. Some of you today, I know just personally from some conversations that I've had with some of you, I'm not trying to be all prophetic, but I am talking about more than just a few conversations I've had today. Some of you today, came in here carrying a very heavy load because the circumstances, whatever they are, surrounding you have become almost crushing to your life. But God says in a moment of challenge, he brings revelation and you actually can behold the perspective of God even in the midst of whatever you may be facing right now. But you have to choose to behold the eternal perspective of God. This is what people who are in covenant with God do. We behold the eternal perspective of God. What is God's opinion about this situation? The world dwells in chaos and darkness. Do you understand that? The word darkness is the same origin as the word ignorance. And the word light is the same origin of the word knowledge. That means you and I shouldn't dwell in darkness or ignorance. We should dwell in light or knowledge. What is God revealing about this situation? I don't know if you've been watching the news or not lately, but they're talking about inflation. They're talking about Russia. They're talking about an invasion of Ukraine. They're talking about COVID, questions, shots, immunization, masks. I mean, what's going on? What does God have to say in this moment in time? That's the question I want to ask. What does God have to say in this moment in time? Because the people who, who just aren't in a place of revelation, they just cast off restraint and they just move however the world moves. But you and I are people in covenant with God Almighty. And we need to understand that if we're going to walk this out. What are you saying in the midst of all these challenges that the world is echoing and declaring? This is what we need to say. Our response is faith. Our response is generosity. And our response is supernatural blessing. Our response is faith. Our response is generosity. And our response is supernatural blessing. You and I are people in covenant with God. 
Come on, let's just clap it in and declare it in Jesus' name right now as a family. We are people in covenant with God. We will not run and hide from circumstances. We will rise up and be people in covenant with God Almighty in Jesus' mighty name. Psalms chapter 112 is this first point of prayer. I shared how just before COVID hit, two months before COVID hit, we as a church family started praying this. Not because we knew COVID was coming, but because God knew COVID was coming. And you and I ought to actually live lives with a little different vibe, a little different perspective than the rest of the people around us. And that declaration in Psalms 12, 112 that we began to pray two months prior to COVID's arrival is that we will have no fear of bad news because we've said in our minds, Jehovah God will take care of us. God's constant care for us will make a deep impression on those who see it. That's what Psalms 112 says. This began to be our first point of prayer, these seven points of prayer. After I brought this up last week, I had one person come and they pulled out a piece of paper out of their Bible and they said, I've been declaring it since 2019. They were holding those seven points of prayer in their Bible. I want to say to you, God said it then. God says it now. God's constant care for you will make a deep impression on all who see it. You will have no fear of bad news because you have settled in your mind. Jehovah God will take care of you and your children and your children's children. There is something God wants to awaken in faith in our hearts today. We're not people who just stand on this planet and echo the sentiments of society. That's not what we're supposed to do. It takes no sacrifice and it takes no anointing to be negative and fearful and simply echo what everybody else is saying. Stop being a parrot and start being a prophet. Stop repeating what you're hearing in the earth and start declaring what God's revealing from heaven. Right? Republicans are the problem. Right? Democrats are the problem. Right? COVID this. Mask that. I mean, come on. I, I just, I have this strong sense in my heart that God is awakening something of a deeper revelation that we'll move away from buying into the agenda of the news network choice we've made and we'll start to buy into the agenda of the kingdom of God. And instead of just recurring rhetoric of the problem, we actually become a part of ushering the solution into the earth to bring transformation to society. It takes faith and anointing to prophesy order into chaos. It takes faith and anointing to declare hope in the face of despair. My question to you today, and let it land on each of us individually, what have you been releasing into your world? If your revelation never gets bigger than your environment, you will always live a life of confinement. If we stand on the planet and repeat what we hear rather than declare what God reveals, then our revelation will never get bigger than our environment and we'll just live hemmed in in confinement. But if we'll allow God to release and reveal something within us that's bigger than what we can see with our natural eyes because you can fix your eyes on that which is unseen because you have spiritual eyes. You can hear that which other people cannot hear because you have spiritual ears. Do you understand? We are people in covenant with God. 
You, you've done it before, right? You've pulled up next to somebody at a stoplight, and, and you had your music going, and you were rocking, right? You, you, you were bopping, and, you, and, and then you look over, and you realize somebody's watching you. How many of you have done this before? And then you're embarrassed because they're looking at you, and they can't hear what you're hearing, so they're not doing what you're doing, and you're doing what you're doing because you're hearing what you're hearing. This is how the church should be. The world should look at us and not understand our behavior because they're not hearing what we're hearing. They're not doing what we're doing. I'm rejoicing in times of challenge. I'm rejoicing in complicated difficulty because I know my God and I hear his voice and I declare the spirit of God is revealing something that I'm supposed to embrace in this moment in time. When we stepped into the year 2020, we began to just pray and say, Lord, what is it you're revealing in the course of this coming year? And part of that was the seven points of prayer. Another part of that was coming into this room where we celebrate and, and thank God everyone who serves so faithfully all year long. And in that time, in December of 2019, first Wednesday of December, we always do this, we unveil the New Year's revelation for the year that's just ahead. And that particular year, in 2019, we felt like the Lord was revealing something, not just about 2020, not just a New Year's revelation for the year, but a New Year's revelation that was more of a decade revelation. It was a revelation for the decade that was ahead. So let's go back and rehearse that once again. I brought this up last week. I want to bring it up again. How many know we ought to rehearse what God has to say? 2020 is not just about entering a new year. It's about entering a new decade. We're entering into the roaring 20s. Did you like that song that... that uh, the team was singing earlier about the roar of God in our lungs. Ah, when we got to that, I was like, wow, that is this. We've entered into the roaring 20s. Not like the 1920s, but like the 2020s. We're the roaring lion of the, where the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah is awakening the roar of God in the body of Christ. This is before COVID started being announced. The Roaring Twenties is a decade where the enemy is trying to roar and bring destruction. But this will be overtaken by the prophetic roar of God awakened within God's people. Amos chapter 3, 7 and 8, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can help but prophesy? You and I are people of covenant with God. We are not supposed to just parrot the sentiments, echo the sentiments of what we're hearing in the society in which we live because we are citizens of another world and we have revelation from another world. And I just encourage you to understand sometimes when it looks the worst, that's when God is at his best to turn things around in a profound and significant way so that everybody looks at that situation and says, obviously, this couldn't have just happened in the natural. God has to have his hand in it. And then people start to give their attention to the Lord our God. We are people in covenant with God. We're not the only Christians who faced a terrible plague. Historians point to an awful plague that happened in the second century so bad that it wiped out 25% 
of the population in the Roman Empire. A bishop in, his, in that particular era brought a specific message that he became infamously known for. And it was uh, a message that even today in, we would understand a little more so that there was such challenge that would come to it. But what we need to understand is that Christians during this time were so central to caring for the sick that Christianity began to spread like wildfire. Now, today, I'm bringing nothing but the desire for God to awaken a deeper measure of faith. No matter where you've been, no matter what your response has been in the, in the whole pandemic scenario, I want you to try and alleviate that as much as you can so that we can grow together in the revelation of what God is wanting to reveal in this time. Believers were central. They didn't hunker down and hide out like everybody else did in their day, but they actually rose up and began to care for the needs of those around them, and the result of that was an incredible explosion of Christianity that began to take place. This bishop and his message, this is what he said, believers should not spend too much time grieving the loss of other believers during this pandemic. I added that part. But referencing in this time of pandemic, believers should not spend too much time grieving the loss of other believers or fear the loss of their own lives because this life is not the point and eternity must become our focus. I, mean, I don't know about you, but this landed squarely on me. I began to evaluate. This was a second century plague that broke out. And then again in the third century, another plague broke out. And it created even more havoc and, and more loss of life than the plague that took place in the second century. And it triggered an even greater explosion of Christianity in the third century. Christians were described, I'm speaking from historians and sociologists that have done some studies, Christians were described as those who disregarded danger to take care of the sick and attend to their every need. Sociologist Rodney Stark claims that death rates in cities with Christian communities in this third century pandemic, death rates in cities with Christian communities were an estimated 50% of other cities. I wonder how much of an impact this had on the very emperor of Rome. Because Constantine in that same era would become a Christian. I mean, i got to tell you, this is a sermon that's easier for me to preach than it is for me to live, which is typically the case with preaching, right? Uh, and and I, I'm fully aware of that. I, I remember uh, when our oldest daughter, Faith, was um, putting on all her gear to go work in the COVID ward at the hospital. I remember... Her sending pictures of her all, you know, with the hood thing on and, and like oxygen pumping into the, the, the system she was wearing. I remember looking at that and I got to tell you, something struck in my heart that was definitely not from God. I looked at that, and I remember, I remember just trying to process all of it. Like, this is my daughter. Not only is she there, this is in the you know, earlier times of the pandemic where there was a whole lot more uh, perspective of reaction. And I remember not only is she there exposing herself, but then she's going to come home, and like, we're here, and then like, we're going to go see family. And I mean, I, I'm watching this thinking, 
How do I respond to this? And I remember the Lord just stirring something in my heart. This is exactly what I've called her to do. This is exactly why she was born for this era of time. And I say to you, this is exactly what God has called you to do. You were not born 100 years ago because God chose you to be born right now. This is not something that took him by surprise and he wants to awaken something within our hearts that will usher God's kingdom in the earth where we will not stand on the planet and simply echo what the world has to say about what's going on in the circumstances of our society, but we'll declare what God reveals and we'll release that in power and anointing and faith. It takes no faith and no anointing just to operate in fear. It takes faith and it takes anointing to operate in faith. So let's rise up in faith and anointing today. When we evaluate what was taking place in the expansion of the kingdom as a result of the sacrificial lives that these Christians were living, and then we bring a comparison to the world today and the response of the church, it's very telling, it's very revealing. Barna reports 30% of regular church attenders before COVID have completely stopped going to church altogether now. 30% of the people in our nation who said, I'm a Christian, church is a priority, now now no longer go to church at all. Most church attenders, Barnes' report uh, goes on to point to several stats to, to, to substantiate this, but most church attenders have become very casual about attending. Current in-person attendance is on average, are you ready for this average nationally? 36% of what it was prior to COVID. I mean, I I hear that and I'm just thinking, that is just mind-boggling to me. This has had an incredible effect on not just in-person attendance, but also on giving and volunteerism. I met with a group of pastors this last week that are um, um, uh, one major ministry is actually doing a focus of drawing pastoral teams into their church to help them restructure their volunteer system because so many churches are, it's just been obliterated. I'll just give you a little bit of a report back on on where we are with this, so that you're fully aware, uh, we're not at 36% of where we were, but we're at 70% of where we were. Before COVID, our attendance was, um, you know, after COVID, it dropped by 30%, and now we're at 70% in-person attendance. And during this time, you know, we've had two services. You can look around in this service, and you can tell the room's pretty full. And um, last week, we actually had the biggest service uh, that we've had so far this year in attendance. And I'm, I'm watching that and evaluating because through this process, it's not been easy on, on any of us in this journey. And, and, and this is us as a family walking this out together. But the realization and, and the conversations that we've had, people saying, why are we still doing two services? And it's been a great question, especially at our, our lowest point. But I just want to tell you, last Sunday, uh, we actually had, make sure I've got the number right, 75 infants to five-year-olds in the D kids junior area in our two services. Now, that's amazing, 
But if we'd have been in one, then Pastor Tiffany would be the mayor of crazy town right now. <laughs> so you just have to understand, we, we've, we've talked about options and how to manage. And instead of just saying, well, here are the statistics. This is what Barna says. Do you know it's not God's plan for us to echo Barna's statistics as our reality, but it's rather to pay attention to what the Lord wants to do. And I believe God is raising up the church in this next hour in a powerful and profound and significant way. People in covenant with God are rising up in this generation to reveal Jesus, to reveal Jesus, to reveal Jesus and show the world what the church was intended to be all along. And there's some transition and happening. And it's a good thing. And God still loves the church just as much as he did before all this transition to the church began to happen. And if you want to be like Jesus, how many of you want to be like Jesus? If you're going to be like Jesus, you need to understand Jesus loves the church and we love the church. We want to figure out what he wants to do in the midst of this and how to walk that out together as a family. Let me explain something to you about the church. Part of the reason why the world around us is turned off about the church is because the church hasn't always been a lot like Jesus. True? We've put our theology through the lens of our politics. Now, by the way... You know that you've successfully created God in your own image when it turns out he hates all the same people you do. God is love. The world will know you by your love for one another. God's not trying to draw people into our beliefs. He's trying to draw them into his love. And if we'll start loving people without some hook in the middle of it to pull them into some conclusion or decision that we know would be best for them, if we would just learn to love, then people would experience Jesus from the body of Christ. And man, what could happen in our world, in our society? You just need to understand, our mindset and perspective about the church in general has been very wrong in many respects. It's not that we've gotten it all wrong, because again, we love the church. We want to get the things that we've gotten wrong right now. It's time to get them right. Let me just tell you something that's wrong with the Western world church that we need to fully comprehend. The church does not exist to serve you as a Christian consumer. Christian consumer is an oxymoron. The church is not a religious commodity that you shop for and you find the right one that will serve you well. That is not the purpose or the function of church anywhere in Scripture. You and I are actually supposed to come together as the church and serve the needs of people around us as the function of the church. For God so loved the world that he sent his son to live sacrificially in the world to awaken God's kingdom in the earth. And for God continues to love the world in such a way that he sends his sons and daughters still today, the same way he sent Jesus, that we might live sacrificial lives and stop evaluating. I mean, do you understand? Any relationship is not going to go well if you're looking for a way that they can take care of your needs best. 
I mean, if, I just want to tell you, stop searching. If you're single, stop searching for the perfect mate. Start working to become the perfect mate as best you can if your heart before the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop looking for the perfect church, same concept, same, re, same idea, where we just show up and we actually provide that which God has birthed within us to serve the needs of others. Every element of relationship life is going to go better. There is nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship. There's nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. This is, this is language we've been talking about for years, isn't it? It's like the Lord's been preparing the seedbed for us to begin to grow and take root and produce this flourishing harvest to really start to get this right. I just want to point to what I uh, shared last week in Scripture. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and make their way up because I feel this is just such an important tie-in for us. There's more uh, on the blog if you'd like to just look into that this week. Uh, the groups that will be looking into the the text of, of Sunday, community groups, uh, it'll actually be on the text that's on the blog. I'm not going to get to it. How many know a good sermon doesn't have to be long and a bad one better not be? <laughs> First John chapter 4, <laughs> verses 15 to 18. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them. We're people of covenant with God, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in God, I'm sorry, whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Such a powerful statement. In this world, we are like Jesus. I mean, are you hearing this? God lives in us. We live in God. And in this world, we're like Jesus. He goes on and says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. If you remember the illustration last week, the difference between a young lady on a picnic blanket when a snake comes up and a young lady with an infant child on a picnic blanket when a, when a snake comes up, two very different reactions in that situation. Why? Because perfect love casts out fear. God lives in us. We live in God. We're like Jesus in this world. Perfect love casts out fear. That kind of sums up everything I've been trying to communicate. I just break the spirit of fear. It's going to take us a little bit to address the spirit of fear because it's becoming ingrained deeply in society. But the Lord's raising up a remnant that will not be given to the spirit of fear. And we're, going to, we're going to look at this next week specifically, that you cannot worship and worry at the same time. And if you give yourself to worry, you will not be worshiping. And if you give yourself to worshiping, you'll not be worrying. I don't know if you realize, but when Adam and Eve sinned in the very beginning in the garden, what did Adam say? The father comes and Adam says, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid. Sin ushered this fear and uncertainty into the heart of humanity. 
God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. God did not give you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. I understand we've been through some rough times in the course of these past two years. Some things have happened I don't have answers for, but I, regardless of whether I understand or don't understand, I keep looking to the Lord my God, who, I, I mean, it's just really important that we recognize we live in a fallen world where there are circumstances you cannot explain, but even in a fallen world, we can look to the risen king to help us navigate through and sort through whatever it may be that's taking place around us. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Would you just receive that today? Would you just close your eyes and open your heart? Set aside your materials from in your hand, any handouts or Bibles. Just set those aside. Just open your hands. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, we come into covenant with God. If immediate salvation were the goal, we'd be taken to heaven as soon as we get saved. But there's an assignment that's attached to our salvation that we would remain in the earth and declare God's kingdom is at hand. And our transformed lives truly become the expression that God's kingdom has come. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power. Lord, I just release that power right now in Jesus' mighty name. Love. Lord, I release that now, that love, the love of God would fill our hearts and perfect love would begin to just cast out all fear. The sound mind that our thoughts, Lord, would be brought into subjection to you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus came. He lived. He died. He's risen from the grave. The single most provable incident in the history of the world is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He came and he lived and he died so that we could have life. Come on, if you believe that, would you just wholeheartedly out loud say amen. Jesus is Lord. Come on, let's stand in his presence together. We stand in your presence, oh God, with our hearts open wide, declaring your kingdom has come, your will will be done. We refuse to stand on this planet and echo the sentiments of society as if we had no power or love or sound mind to declare transformation in our world. But we declare that God is a God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. God is a God whose constant care for us will make a deep impression on all who see it. God is a God who we know so confidently that we have settled in our minds. Jehovah God will take care of us. Therefore, we will not fear bad news. We're in the decade of the 20s, the roaring 20s, not like the 1920s, but like the 2020s, where the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah is being awakened in the body of Christ. Let our worship be our shout and our roar today, Lord. 
Let our song be our declaration that we trust in the Lord our God. In the name of Jesus. We're going to take just a few moments and awaken the roar of God in a posture of worship. I want to challenge you this week. Seriously, pray for people within your five-foot circle. That means people that God's entrusted to your care. Pray for them by name. Start to make a list. Pray for them by name. Invite them deeper. In any, when you sense any kind of grace or favor in a conversation, explore that. Watch for grace. Follow favor. Invite them deeper in, in understanding the, the heart of God and where it's appropriate, where you sense the grace of God to do so. Invite them to come. Join in this atmosphere of worship. Who knows what God might do? Our prayer team, they're going to make their way to the back. We're just going to take a few moments in worship. And I ask you, it's very important in this time that we take what God has awakened within us and we begin to just release it back as an expression of God's kingdom in the earth. So let's do that. Just awaken the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah as we sing our song and declare just a few moments of declaring and releasing what God's stirring in our hearts before we're dismissed today.